What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Bronche. I am Julissa. What's good, everybody? This is Skittles. And today we are sitting with Miss Jenny Lowe, YouTube extraordinaire. You've seen her on BuzzFeed. You've seen her on We Are Me Too. You've seen her as Abuela, Larissa, Marucci, Tia Gloria. La who familia. Was, like, the, the entire familia. I sound Ms. crazy. The Cuban queen herself, Miss Jenny Lorenzo. Tell us, who the fuck are you? I have uh, multiple personalities living inside of my body, apparently. Um, but yes, I I am a Cuban-American content creator and actor, born and raised in Miami, and I've been in LA for four years now, and I've been in that hustle, and just really focusing on raising Latino voices and doing sketch comedy. Amazing, amazing. So what, at what moment in Miami did you decide, okay, I'm coming to LA? It was actually a rough time. In Miami. I I mean, as a kid, I always dreamed of being on a Nickelodeon show and all that. I was a character actor since I was a kid. And mm-hmm. it's not something that I thought about or knew this is a thing. I just knew I liked playing different characters. And, but it was just like a long, you know, it's like a distant dream. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's never going to happen. Because mm-hmm. we couldn't afford that. You know, I had kids in my classes that were heavily involved in the arts and their parents took them out of school and went, they went to LA and they got like a model, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I was, I always wanted to be that kid mm-hmm. and I just couldn't. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I went to theater school, I went to film school and even still when I was in film school, I wasn't thinking about LA because there was a brief period of time where I believed Miami could be the next big deal around that mm-hmm. time. Like, Burn Notice was being filmed there Mm -hmm. and, you know, there were talks that things were going to change. And I was part of a really successful uh, professional theater company and I guess I felt safe in that theater company, like big things were going to happen and all of a sudden things took a sharp turn with the company and I was back at ground zero and I was, Mm -hmm. you know... Post-graduation, I was working multiple odd jobs. Mm. I was in debt. I was struggling a lot. I had a car that kept breaking down. Imagine Miami. I mean, y'all are in New York. Like, humid weather. Uh -uh. And I was driving to (laughs) auditions, and my car had no AC. I would get rained on. Oh, Oh my God. God. It was like, you know, and I'm I'm like, I'm not trying to play violins tampoco, because I, you know, I was still very blessed. And, you know, someone always has it worse than you and the whole thing. But it was a tough time for me. Yeah. And... That's when I realized, you know what? I have to move because everything that I want for my career is not here. Hmm. It's just not. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a tough decision to make. And so yeah. you came to L.A. And like, what was one of the first things that really excited you when you came out here and the ball started rolling? Just L.A. I had already been. So I'm a huge nerd and my friends and I love cosplay. And we started going to San Diego Comic Con as a tradition since 2011 Mm. and sometimes what we would do we'd go to san diego do the thing and then visit la Mm. and i loved the weather i loved the people everyone was really kind Mm. and it wasn't at all what i was told for years about la i think people like to hate on la a lot like oh everyone's so plastic and fake and i'm I'm like of course that exists everywhere especially in major cities yeah Mm. like possibly beverly hills but Everywhere else, people are pretty chill. Like, I go to the supermarket here with, like, no makeup on. Mm. You can, or you can have, like, a head full of, like, multicolor hair and, like, no one judges you. Mm. 
um, people are just more artistic here. And I think that's a lot of what I felt in New York as well. And not saying that Miami doesn't have its art scene, but there's definitely a lot more judgment that goes on there. Mm -hmm. So when I've gone out in cosplay, I'll hear comments from people like, it's not Halloween. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just more of like a... I don't know how to explain it. They're yeah. not as open to like people expressing their individuality unless you're mm. like in the arts district or like South Beach. Mm. Yeah. But for I'm, for where I'm from, you kind of get weird looks. Mm. Yeah. I think for sure, like even for us being artists in New York, like New York is super diverse and like yeah. you see the wildest shit. Like yeah. just ride the train and you get like some interesting mm, characters. Yeah. But even like in the South Bronx and the communities that we yeah. represent, we actually have a lot of that too. So like mm. going like especially when we were in high school and we would want to like if there was Pride Parade or even mm-hmm. on Halloween, like the idea of riding the train all the way from the South Bronx into the city it, with that costume on was like not yeah. a good idea. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. encouraged. I I remember like even in high school they would be like because our, our our we went to a performing arts high school in Manhattan. So yeah. The culture was completely different. Oh, I can imagine. Than yeah. Growing up in the Bronx, but it was always like encouraged, like do not wear your costumes on the train. Change when you get to school because just because of the ignorance that you experience. Yeah, yeah, and there's definitely an art scene as well that's bubbling up in the Bronx. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the South Bronx area, there's like a lot of gentrification that's been coming in the wave, but there's been a lot of entrepreneurs of color who are like trying to okay, really, you know, take hold and say, okay, but we're business owners. We have visions too. Let us take over this space before you bring someone exactly. else to take it in. Yeah. Um, and so there has been some light evolution of that, but definitely coming to LA, you know, New Yorkers, we're very loud and proud about our culture. Sure. Yeah, so we all come in like, mm, this is how they do in LA. Mm, in New York, it's not like that. Mm. The nightclubs are open later. You I know. East yeah. Coast yeah. and West Coast, yeah. the constant <laughs> battle. It's, yeah, it's very interesting. But yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But anyway, so let's talk about brunch. Because <laughs> that's what we all want to know. What is your favorite brunch plate? And this can be. Pre-vegan, you know, <laughs> or it could be post-vegan. Whatever you you could give us either. Okay, or. cool. What's yeah. your What's your favorite? <laughs> you know what's interesting is that Miami people, maybe now, but I didn't know what the hell brunch was about. Yeah, uh, we brunch to me was like when Abuela makes you breakfast late, right? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is a breakfast and a lunch. I never. I wasn't involved in brunch culture at all in Miami until mm. I moved to LA, and that's like the thing. Yeah. But then I almost like avoid it because that's when restaurants are most packed. Yeah. Mm. I have had to wait over an hour and a half to two hours just to have brunch out here, and mm. I'm like, oh no, no, yeah. I don't have time for this. <laughs> we don't find. do that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, and tampoco I don't drink, so the whole mimosa thing out the window. I like me some mm. strawberry lemonade. Mm. Yeah. Or um, but yeah, so like pre-veganism. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I just I I love your typical like American breakfast. Like I love scrambled eggs with you know sausage links and tu sabe uh, what else? Like I love toast. Yeah. And then you're thinking, well, that's like American breakfast, but then I also love the Cuban breakfast, which is like tostada. Yeah. And like a cafe con leche, which yes. is like Cubans have kind of like the most basic breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've had to do videos in the past where it's, like, breakfast for all different, you know, from all different Latin American countries. And, like, everyone had this, like, exquisite cuisine. And then I had, like, tostada and coffee. And they're, like, mm, that's just toast. I'm, like, well, you're not even getting any nutrients in. Um, 
So, oh, and then pastelitos, though. I love, I love, that's what I miss. That's what I hate about, not that I hate, nothing wrong with being (laughs) vegan. (laughs) You're in transition. It's okay. It's okay. We could talk about this later. But yeah, like, since I have Crohn's disease, being vegan has helped me immensely with my pain and, like, managing the condition. But I think, yeah, I miss waking up early and going to, like, a Cuban bakery in Miami and getting, like, Patelito de carne and queso mm. and stuff like that. Yeah, so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she, so, so she kind of answered what her favorite brunch dr- and Dr- what her yeah. veggie drink. Is yeah, too, she yeah. Said strawberry lemonade. Awesome. Which I'm always down for a good strawberry lemonade. lemonade. Those are dope. Always so good. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what it was like when you used to go out to eat as a kid. Um, a lot of it was wearing stuff I didn't want to wear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just like yes. itchy clothing, a lot of what's the, man, what I love to say this freaking word, encaje. Yeah. Like a yeah. lot of ruffles yes. and yes. like cosa and yes. pantyhose. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my grandma, like I still don't know what the word is in Spanish because my grandma would always say pantyhoy uh-huh pantyhoy uh-huh. uh-huh. and then like the little bl- like the little black buckle shoes that were oh, shiny Mary and it was oh my god um yeah. or if it was those little roughly made so it's like okay it's like yeah, the and then white the asalache the ruffle the ruffle sock and then did y'all have, ever have to wear like asalaches Oh, okay. So I had one when I was really younger because my mom, one day, a man came up to the carriage and like touched my head and was like, she's beautiful. You should put her on TV. <gasps> and I caught a fever and I would not stop crying. I knew it this took me to the ER. Like the doctor was like, I don't know why she has this fever. It was this whole thing. And then somebody was like, ponle una, una, porque, porque. Uh, it was and then they had to whatever. But my hair texture was never the same again after that day. My mom said my hair, like, cause I was like sweating and hot and she was like the texture and just your softness was like okay gone. so someone did more than just yeah, elbow. I was like yeah. some brujeria <laughs> you know what your hair looks great I'm like that happened with a ba- my baptism <clears throat> wow my grandma swears and my mom that like someone did Mateojo on me on my baptism. I just think it was gas, but <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently I couldn't stop crying. Yeah. And they're like like oh no you were perfectly fine and the same shit like someone went up to me in the i don't know who it was friend of the family or family member like right Ay, que linda la niña. and then uh, uh. <laughs> i was like losing it in church the priest was like oh god dunk her head in the water whatever <laughs> and they always said the same thing if someone did monday all on you like yeah i'm like okay but maybe i just needed to fart like so but it's you know but i'm not you know what's weird is like that's made me so paranoid because it's like I'm not totally a non-believer of that stuff. Right. Because it's so ingrained in me yeah. about El Ojo that sometimes I'm like, should I put my salsa vache back on? Like, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. And then maybe it's like an energy thing. Yes. Mm. Yep. The world is weird. So I'm very open-minded to a lot of things. Yeah, mm. I'm for like, sure. sure, we have aliens <laughs> living underneath the ground. Sure, that I'll believe anything, honestly, because... The way There's she, a lot about this universe we don't know or understand. So. Exactly. Mm. The way stuff is going, you honestly can never tell. I <laughs> I do think, like, you know, being Dominican and Afro-Latina, like that, just like any Afro-Latinx culture has a lot of that so deeply rooted in it. And I'm like, I don't know, man, like, something about it's true. Maybe they call mm. things, yeah, wrong, I'm like, you know, where'd they come up with this? Right. It's but from like, something. Right. Because, like, I know J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter, so a lot of things are possible in terms of creation <laughs> stories. But, like, it's still something that, like, you 
you feel energy like it's something that you hear when people say be careful or like be mindful when you feel a certain way and you know that it's real but you've never been able to articulate it so there is a lot of times that I'm like mm, the way that Bruja said that I understand she articulated that weird thing I don't know mm. is that feeling mm-hmm. so I'm just always careful you know my mom is always <laughs> like cuídate que yo te bendiga before I walk out the door and I'm like thanks mama for having my back because I be forgetting to bless myself sometimes <laughs> and you know and you go on about your day so damn really, yeah um, but then in terms of like, so what was like your, when you used to go out to eat when you were a kid, what was, what used to excite you the most? Like I used to like Burger King a lot for some reason. And that used to excite the shit out of me. Was there any particular place that you were like, Ooh, we're going to eat here? Yeah. Fast food. Fast food. Yeah. Probably why I have Crohn's. Um, I, we lived walking distance from a Wendy's and a Burger King. Ooh. But for me, I was very selective. Burger King for breakfast. Mm. They had the best breakfast. And then McDonald's for lunch. Especially after church, after Misa. Yes. I'm going to be real. I didn't care about Misa. I was just like, okay, up and down, up and down. Right. Bless me, Father. Okay. And then I'd be like, McDonald's French fries, yeah. you know? And like <laughs> the Happy Meal toys. And yeah. I think in the 90s, they had some really dope toys. Mm. They really did. They were collect- the collectors. I remember in particular when Britney Spears and NSYNC... <laughs> came out with the it was like the oops i did it again bye 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 album that came in the happy meal if you got the happy meal yeah it also came with a poster and they were like all over the commercials it was like maybe 2000 i want to say i was a big backstreet boys fan and burger king came out with like a specific single just for that and they all they all had action figures and i collected the backstreet boys action figures yeah and wow. people cared a lot more back then about the mascots. Yes. Like the BK mascot and the McDonald's mascots mm-hmm. and like, oh my God. So they, those are little gems. And that's what, for me, it was the food. I, yeah. I mean, the experience mm. of eating out. Yeah. 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 That was, that was a really, that was really a fun time. I used to have a shelf full of them. I used to keep Dang. all the McDonald's and there was shelves full if of you kept, Did you keep it? No. My mom made me throw it away. And you could have been rich now. And I could have been See. rich and I kept telling her. She's like, yeah, and I was like, I don't know, but don't throw it away. Face. All the space jams, um, they did a space jam one where you had to yes. connect the basketball floor. Yes. I had the court. Oh my God. Girl, especially <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Well, remember those little Transformer toys that yes. McDonald's came out with? Yes. Like the chicken nugget box? Mm-hmm. And the, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That is something that people now spend a lot of money on to repurchase. Like, yep. I've started repurchasing my, like, old Polly Pocket necklaces. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And Gigapets, all that shit. Ooh. Mm. Nostalgia, nostalgia. <laughs> um, and so what's your favorite bochinche topic to talk about over a brunch meal? Oh, man. You know, it's it's usually like I talk about the industry a lot. Yeah. You know, so it's usually um just talking about the I don't know if it's bonchinche worthy really, but it's right. just like how the culture is on YouTube, the egos. Mm. I'm I'm very anti-ego, so I'm just like, "Oh my god." It's it's very zombie apocalypse, so when someone we know in the industry has turned mm. and mm. they're no longer the same person cuz they're so egotistical, I just that's something that I talk about a lot. That yeah. it's like that it just bothers me as a whole. That atmosphere, um, and just more so like about TV shows. Like it's like yeah. the gossip scene within a show, so it's not even real. Yeah. Mm. Like, can you believe this happened in Sabrina? <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, can't believe it. <laughs> Crazy. So it's usually it's very industry heavy. It's hard yeah. not to talk about the industry. Yeah. And obviously it depends who you're with. If right. you're with like a best friend. Mm-hmm. 
you're yeah. gonna be like remember so and so from yeah. <laughs> literally talk about high school she had like her time. fifth kid yeah <laughs> and it's not really bad gossip it's just more like we me and my i have a, of course a lot of my friends are also artists of some kind yeah and but like nine out of ten of us like don't have kids right so mm-hmm. it's weird looking through the other side of like outside of these artistic careers where mm-hmm. you know we have friends that are working on their third kid fourth kid and yeah. i'm like 32 and i'm like damn i just have a dog um <laughs> so it's just like going over like oh man what's this person up to dog crazy yeah you know what i mean like so it really depends who you're talking to Mm -hmm. word for sure all right so now we're gonna move into our cheers to the ladies who where we shout out people who are doing dope shit or dope Mm -hmm. shit that's happening okay so hulu pen 15 love 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 that show it is literally like my childhood but like the nuances that i did not know how to talk about yes it's so Mm. wonderful so tell us what do you what do you love about the show my god first of all they're my age yeah so i was exactly 13 in the seventh grade in the year 2000 wow Mm. so and it's funny because I also, my best friend growing up at the time was a white girl. Mm. And so I really see myself in these characters and in the friendship and the dynamic. I was a loser. Mm. I had the same crappy haircut in the seventh grade. I never forget. I wanted to look cool going into seventh grade. My hairdresser butchered my hair. And it was one of these like little like, it was like, it almost looked like her haircut. It almost looked like her haircut. And... I had a basket. I'll show you a photo. I wish I had it on me right now. I wish I had that shit. I will scroll through so you can see that I am not exaggerating. So from the fashion to the like the braces to the and what I love is that it's from a female perspective. So yes. you see mm-hmm. how they dealt with like being horny and feeling bad about it and yeah. like you know, you don't see that ever. You always see like little boys like, oh, I'm jacking off now because I like found, you know, myself as a man. And you never hear about it with women. So right. it's like, oh shit, like young girls go through this too, where they start figuring out their sexuality and like they're like all of a sudden super horny and what do I do? And I love it was such like an endearing episode. Yeah. Of when they touched upon that, yeah. you know? Um, and just the dynamic of their friendship. I love the fact that they don't hide the fact that these women are in their 30s. Yeah. Amongst oh, a sea of 13-year-old so actors. <laughs> so it's just, I think specificity is what made this show win. And I think yeah. mm-hmm. that's what any showrunner, creator, whether it's digital or film television, should strive for. Never be afraid to be specific. Yeah. Because you're going to win people over that way. Even if they yeah. don't fully relate. Because maybe, a, you know, let's say like someone in their 50s could also enjoy pen 15 because they're going to find similarities right. mm-hmm. whereas people like me who the show is based on the same year i was mm-hmm. in seventh grade and i'm i appreciate it even more because i'm like that was my life and i was bullied in the exact same way they were bullied mm. it's not like you know how like your typical high school show or like mean girls it's like very obvious bullying like right. hey give me your lunch money jerk yeah nerd loser i'm gonna give you a wedgie yeah i'm not saying that kind of bullying doesn't exist but i went to private school mm-hmm. and but it's not like we could necessarily afford private school my mom sacri- my mom and dad sacrificed every penny they had 
to put me through private school. And so I didn't, as a result, I didn't always have the best clothes. Like I didn't have like the mm. brands and the, you know, I didn't have that kind of stuff. It was, you know, I was blessed. I had my blessings and everything, but we were lower middle class family. Yeah. And imagine going to private school, small private school, which is even worse. And all these girls do have money. So their parents had them in like ballet, tap, jazz, um, brand new, you know, they maga clothing. Mm. Like they'd go to like Europe for summer. But, you know, it was mm. like, and the way girls bullied me in middle school was very similar to how the characters in Pen15 got bullied. It was very passive aggressive, almost like conniving, like, oh, hey, so how come your mom doesn't let you shave? Mm. You know, or like, oh, you got your period, which is so dumb, by the way. Yeah. Why are, why did we compete right. as to who got their, their period. stupid period? <laughs> it's like competing against like, oh, you got a broken arm? Me. Like, you know, yeah. it's like. Nobody, yeah. I dealt with so much jealousy. Yeah. And I was an ugly little twerp. Yeah. Okay. I didn't come from money. And yet I dealt with a lot of celos, especially in the, because I would always still be the, the kind of like the lead character in all the Christmas plays. So just because of that Cause one thing, talented. the girls <laughs> hate and hate and tanto, and not just with me, like you just see like the celos all over the place. Yeah. All in all, the show got it right. Yeah. got it right it's because of the creators yeah yeah and honestly like it like i think the episode that sort of like almost like caught me off guard and winded me was when they create their aim chat names (gasps) which you haven't this is the one i didn't want to ruin for you juan but no i I would just say like just these steps like when she's doing her homework and the anxiety of like knowing that there's this thing that is exciting yes. because it touches upon so many curiosities and things that are going on, including this idea of getting this attention yeah. from this guy yes. is like so overwhelming. And it's, and it's really reminded me of the inception of how we got to this place of people finding what they couldn't get in real life on the screen. Yes. Like online. And it was just like, wow. It was almost like, wow. If somebody were to have asked me, like, when did the social media frenzy start and why we're always pegados at teléfono, I couldn't quite tell you. But then I was like, that's it. That was that moment because mm. I couldn't have an AIM name. So I have older siblings and they had AIM and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't have one, but my sister would let me log on to her AIM. And like mm. if I had like one or two friends that had one, she would let me like I am them. Yeah. But like I would like see her in chat rooms and stuff like that. And I would be fascinated at this idea that all of these people are talking at once. It did like didn't make sense to yes. me almost. Um, and then it was exciting for me when that started to translate into like video gaming, like DSs and things having like IM yep. systems because it was like a cool way to have that in a more PG way. But mm. nothing quite caught my attention like being able to be on AIM and then MySpace happened and the rest is history. Ooh, like, and Live yeah. Journal. Remember Live, Live Journal, Journal? Zanga. I was really big on Zanga. Zanga. Yeah. In New York, we had Skonex. Skonex before which high school. Which was like no, nobody outside of New York Never City heard of that. Yeah, because it was, a, it was a social media platform. It was media best, platform like, specifically. specifically for high schools in New York. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. And it only lasted maybe like two years yeah. and then like got shut down. Yeah. Because I... Facebook and MySpace came through and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, man, when we first got a computer and we got AOL, it was life-changing for me because I, I was a huge computer nerd. And I, mm. I was lucky in that in the eighth grade, I had, well, seventh and eighth grade, I had a really great computer teacher. So we were Ooh. learning programming, web yes. design. I was typing over 100 words per minute. And of course, wow. me being the loser geek, all the popular kids would scream at me during typing tests. Like, shut up, bro. 
Because <laughs> they get nervous. I was like, and I'm like, I just wish I was a tougher person back then. Now I'm like, forget it. My poor fiance has to stop me in the middle of the street sometimes from like fighting people. I've like, my chihuahua complex has like, leveled up (laughs) you know but like when i was a kid i was such a pushover and again because it was a little christian school it was like you couldn't even say shut up to someone or you'd get sent to the office i just wish i could have like cussed everybody out and just gone you know super saiyan on everybody but i was always on aol i was i remember i remember the internet being empty yeah. I just remember looking through like Lycos. I don't know if y'all remember the, the search engines. It was Lycos, Hotbot, um, Ask Jeeves. This Ask is before Jeeves Google. Was the one. Yeah. Ask Jeeves was probably the most popular one mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. of all those, but I was always on all of them. Yeah. And I was trying to build a Backstreet Boys website before there was an actual Backstreet Boys <laughs> website. Wow. I was like, I'm going to make a website. And I, re- I even remember like trying to find the YouTube of that time i was like Mm. i made a video on the i don't know what the hell i made the video on i'm like i made this video where do i how do i upload it wow and there was some like gaga website Mm. and it wasn't working properly but everything just it was insane to me i was really deep into that like the Mm. web design aspect my aol profile was always popping because i was all up in the html coding and i wish that like that Stuff was still around, like that Facebook didn't become like this, like one uniform. Oh yeah, like cold that you were able to customize your page. I was bummed about that. Yeah. Or even with YouTube, like uh, the other day, Miles J had retweeted a picture of like when you could customize your YouTube channel and like have all these like special buttons that like led to you know your Facebook or you know whatever Mm. it was, but you could have like a colorful, bright. YouTube channel that music played. I don't on even remember that and stuff because wow. so quickly it, it once ended. once once they ended that like it became more and more uniform on YouTube. Right. And wow! It was just like, but there was a point where like YouTube profiles were like kind of like MySpace profiles where you could just like customize I did not. That's wow! That I don't remember. Yeah, mm. that's crazy. I did like customizing shit. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Like I mean, making it your own and picking the music. My shit was the music. <laughs> the music. The music. <laughs> The, the music. music had to be popping. Like, you had to come to match my your page mood. And literally, it had to match my mood. If I got tight in school, fuck out of here. My <laughs> song would change. So when my friends would come to the page, they'd be like, oh, I oh, saw you had this song. You? What's yeah, like, wrong? You go to a, like, if you have a breakup, it's like Justin Timberlake, Crimea yeah, River. Oh my gosh. It was great. And top eight, I think. Top eight. I used to go in. Drama. Real drama. 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 I used to try and go in and like get those custom like the codes that give you more. So yeah, so like then you could like change your friend's name and their picture. Yeah, like choose the picture that you like of them and put like Makazo, aka this is this, aka. (laughs) (laughs) But but we were so like I feel like there's like this weird self-absorption, of course, with this whole social media thing, and like now it's a it's taken a new turn with like social media. But, like, I think it was maybe slightly worse back then because we mm. were so self-indulgent. Like, I had such pesada photos of myself. <laughs> like, overly photoshopped, looking to the sky. Oh, and then boy. I had, like, Hillary Duff, oh. like, Dolly yesterday, yesterday. <laughs> and my cursor was, like, like an angel. like <laughs> And, like, your bio was so passive-aggressive. And, like, I wrote yes. some dumb 
shit on my AOL, on my on my yeah. MySpace and AOL profiles. Like oh I'm God. that girl that you see, and I would you know you're trying to copy other people, and you're like, yeah. damn, I like how Jessica talked about herself. Right. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, and then a lot of girls, like especially Miami, like it was the same bio on MySpace. It's oh. like, I love to laugh and go to the beach and sometimes the movies. I'm super unique. <laughs> I'm like you just described every human being but cool and it was like very and then do you remember the MySpace boards where you can post yes. quizzes about yours yes. so there was that kind yes. of self-absorption yes. también, and like where the music would, quotes like, answer questions yes. yeah 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 on, oh my God. do you like pizza yes do you like bacon no like when's the last time you went on a date and you're like like as and if people gave like a shit half hour doing that you. like but who read like, it 45 Nobody. questions <laughs> Nobody. Who be reading these things? But though? also, like, who did you actually want <laughs> oh to my read God. it? Because your ex or something. Exactly. Yes. Because it was literally pictures. Or your crush. So your crush could see it. It didn't matter. Likes didn't matter back then. It mattered who, who saw it. Yes. Like, like, you swear. Like, there'll be questions like, favorite article of clothing. My lingerie? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, bitch, you are wearing some nasty, like, sweatpants and right. shirts to bed. and like, Right, you are not in no lingerie mm. sleeping. But it's yeah. the same way we just kind of, like, social media now is so exaggerated. Yes. And that's something that I have to remind myself of, too. And now that's, like, another topic all right. on its own. Yeah, but, but it's true. It's hard to gauge, like, when you look at other people and they have these, like, glamorous lives and stuff. Yeah. You're like, wow, but how do they get away with that? Like, how did, and it's curated. It's mm -hmm. a curated, it's curated. experience. I'm trying to yeah. be real about that, too, because I'm like, I don't want to be one of it. Because I had, recently, I had someone um, write me a personal message on Instagram uh, that wasn't so nice, but she wasn't trying to be a troll. She was kind of judging something. Mm. And I, I was so upset that I started to um, voice message her. I was like, this is too much to type. <laughs> and then it became like almost like a therapy session because she opened up to me and she's like, I'm so sorry. I was throwing my personal biases out on you. This is what I'm going through. I didn't know you were going, because she's like, I didn't know you had any of these issues. Are you, she right. goes, you look so perfect and your life looks so perfect that this and that. And I'm like, this is so damaging. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. So, and I'm trying to utilize my Insta stories more to be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I have acne. I have a stomach mm -hmm. condition. I have anxiety. And, and tampoco, it's not good to either then now tear yourself down for the right. sake of making people feel better. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's what life is for everybody is a balance of good and bad. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that I don't just promote the good because I do know people that look like they don't even have buttholes. Right. Okay, mm. they're like, ding. Yeah. And everything they do is, ding. I'm like, all right, girl, fart or something. Right, <laughs> right. Like, you know, yeah. let me know that you're human. Right. <laughs> okay, so now we're moving into our tuta loca es, where we call motherfuckers out for doing the most. So, I've always been super interested in the world of cosplay. As an actor, I always have, like, consciousness of, like, who's being cast as what character like what stories are we putting forth and i feel like the two worlds have this issue with ro seeing roles get 
miscast for lack of a better word but miscast more just in the sense of having someone who looks different play a different role now i don't mean this in the way where privilege allows for you know asian samurai characters to be played Mm -hmm. by white men Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i mean it more in the sense that if i said i wanted to play poison ivy Mm -hmm. or if i said i wanted to be ariel from the little mermaid that I can't do it because Ariel is white and like there's no way that I can do that, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. things like that. So I'm very curious as a cosplayer. And first of all, I would love to hear a little bit about how you got into that and some of your favorite characters um, and then sort of navigating that world as a Latina woman. Yeah, this is a great topic. I talk about it a lot. Uh, I got into cosplay back in 2008. It's around the time, you know, I graduated high school in 05 and I started working at this, uh, well, this toy store, like as if no one mm-hmm. knows about Toys R Us. Oh, wow. <laughs> R.I.P. Maybe. I don't know anymore. Right. Uh, oh, but so I, I met some of my closest best friends and it all started in that toy store and they all happen to be geeks. And in high school, I was repressing that a lot. I was mm-hmm. I was in a really bad relationship with someone who was emotionally abusive and he just sucked ass. And uh, he... He was very judgmental, and it was just, you know, you're in high school, and you're going through so much, and you're so dumb. You, you can make some pretty dumb decisions. And so I kind of always hid that. And again, the whole popular culture and, like, oh, you can't, if you're into any of these things, you're a loser. And I think right. a lot has changed since then because Endgame is probably going to, you know, be right. the number one grossing film of all time, Ooh. and no one cares anymore that you're into superheroes. But back then, they did. And so I found my group. And I started waving my geek flag and they, I didn't even know conventions existed. Mm. I didn't know that was a thing. Mm. And I went to my very first convention and I borrowed like a cosplay. I dressed as a character from um, One Piece, which is an anime. Nice. And slowly but surely, then my next cosplay was Coraline Jones. And then I was Juno, Ellen Page's Mm. Juno with the pregnant belly. And so I started cosplaying characters that both i i like cosplaying characters that i look like because yeah. it gives that extra like whoa mm-hmm. you're that character come to life you look so much like that character and also characters that i love right so that's for me have been the always the two rules but that's just for myself because just because of the wow factor thing yeah because like what you're saying is i'm all for people cosplaying whoever they want to cosplay as long as it's within respectful boundaries yeah. um i have a lot of like like cosplay friends that are of color and they've kicked ass at some of these uh characters that are white Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i'm like i just don't see what the problem is here yeah yeah and there seems to be like i i because like i have my my fan isms that i have like i'm huge Mm -hmm. on harry potter me too i did not know Ravenclaw. Um, mm-hmm. Wonderful. What was yours? What about Did you? We, didn't I make you take I'm the test? Slytherin. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> proud. <laughs> well, because everybody knows the bad guys in Slytherin. I, I see. I'm the opposite. I did not read the books. But they're not all bad. I saw the, I saw the, yeah, and they're not all bad. It's just like a, it's almost like a Magneto Professor X complex. It I is. Feel like. like you have the, you have it in you to be evil, but you can use it for good. Yeah. Right. Oh, so that's, okay. it's kind of like me being a Scorpio. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're like you're like the nicest Scorpio I've ever met. I'm like, don't cross me. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 
and it's like it's crazy it's like kind of similar yeah and it i like i you know i understand ways in which people get attached to characters i know recently so like um on broadway i think it was that they have somebody black playing hermione yes and, like, i saw it which is wonderful and, i was like, like yes yeah and it's one of those things where it's like oh if you ever asked me what i thought she looked like obviously i wouldn't name myself but when you read it it's kind of like okay it's puffy yes. hair like, it's whatever. left to oh, interpretation yeah mm. there really is no indication never never does she ever say light skin yep. white like black person like mm-hmm. she doesn't necessarily specify um and so being able to see that is fun and opening that door of possibility is great because when we're talking about fantasy too there's this element of like what do you really have to hold on to in terms of diversity um i recently got into game of thrones because mm. i literally binged it in one month to catch up mm. because <laughs> not the proudest month of my life. March was not <laughs> a very <laughs> proud month in my life. But you had to do it. But I felt like I had to do it for just the sake of like being able to engage in the dialogue. And like one of the things I quickly realized is like all the characters of color are from the parts of the world that are like slave states, right? And then all the other people are like white and like they all have British accents and then like everybody has fucking British accents mm. somehow, right? Mm-hmm. But like the idea that like wow so it's still like sort of upholding this like medieval idea of like in medieval times like all the rulers were white and all these lower class you know people that were enslaved were people of color so that's Mm. realistic but the idea that when we are playing fantasy how do we get to play with that a little more how do we get to sort of break that apart or at what point do we look at these time periods and say well because none of it's fucking real we can kind of do whatever the fuck we want yeah like yeah yeah i would just love to see more of that and i feel like with new more content creators that are (coughs) as diverse as we are yeah that that is possible have you seen some of that have you seen some examples of people who are like continuously sort of like breaking conventions in their cosplay or even in their work that they're doing in terms of fantasy well this is a, a it's Disney actually. I've noticed uh, Disney has really made strides, and when I first noticed it was when I saw the live action Beauty and the Beast mm. with Emma Watson. Have you guys seen it? Yes, I loved I it. I have not. I loved it. So it was a lot of interracial couples. Yeah, and it was a time period, right? It takes place in France, and da 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 da. It wasn't even like the main characters, mm-hmm. even though uh, four of the main characters were mixed race uh, married couples. Right. Um. But then even the town, like the villagers, it was very mixed. And I felt like, wow, finally, we're catching up to um, BBC. Yeah. <laughs> because Doctor Who was actually, even before that, I, I'm a huge fan of Doctor Who. And they had all kinds of people of color. Right. And, and no, one, no one was like, oh, that's weird that they're dating. Or like, right. So I think like uh, the Brits have it right. And they've kind of been a little more advanced with that before America has, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. Um, so it's obviously like, that's like a big TV show and then Disney's just massive, but they truly are making strides in the content that they're releasing now where they're making it a point to be diverse. Yeah. And it, because again, like you said, it is made up. Yeah. So why the hell not? You know what I mean? Have people feel represented for once. Yeah. I really do think it's important, though, that these steps do come from Disney's and, like, bigger industry things because Mm -hmm. I do, like, appreciate, like, the grassroots, you know, like, work that comes out and people who are sort of doing it on the ground. But 
leading by example is really important and i think that sometimes people who don't feel as empowered to do it who aren't working for these larger like um companies it's because they feel like well if no one else is doing it at the top and if it's not received like i can be fighting this battle for the rest of my life or Mm -hmm. i can just get in line and like do what the industry does because clearly that works so yeah they're setting a good example yeah yeah you know what i mean and i think bringing it down to like what we do i think it's so important to and and again we don't have the resources that disney has you know but for me personally a goal of mine is when i do my sketches that involve actors outside of me playing all of them is to diversify it yeah i can't just be casting just white latinos when i do cast out of course a lot of my videos lately have been me playing against myself right so it is what it is yeah pale ass cuban people in a video (laughs) But when I do, like I said, when I've done other sketches, I'm always like, I need to cast Afro-Latinos. I need to cast, even if it's like, sometimes it's not all Latinos that are, are required, you know? So right. then I just diversify in general. Um, because I want to make that point, cause I'm just tired of people at the top not realizing that Latinos are as diverse as they are. Right. Mm-hmm. I have met so many close-minded people whether yeah. in the industry or not, they're like, well, you're, how are you Cuban? You don't have an ass. Or how are you Cuban? You're too white. Or my friends get, how are you Cuban? You're Asian. Or yeah. you're black. And it's like, oh, God. Ah. So yeah. poor John Leguizamo is like touring the, touring the damn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> poor guy. He deserves like some medal of honor. He's like, this is what Latinos are. Yeah. And then it becomes a weird place because then, we're like, I think the number one audience, like we consume the most media, go to the movies. And yet, I mean, even when I was at Buzzfeed, I struggled with that. It was like, we felt like the underdogs when we were trying to create Better Light. Cause they just, it's almost like, and I constantly hear this from like Latino media, big or small, that it's like, oh, I, oh, but we need to prove ourselves first. I'm like, and why is that? Yeah. Because I highly doubt if it was like a white show that they need to prove themselves. Right. It's always, why is that? Do you think we're going to automatically be shitty? Right. Do you think that people just don't? And I get it. Like, we're complex. Like, that's not a lie. There's like, I could be wrong, but I think there's 33 countries in Latin America there's and the lot. Caribbean. Yeah, there's a lot. And we all kind of have our different accents and traditions and dialects. Yeah. And I mean, look at freaking Brazil. They don't even speak Spanish. Right. And so... It's a thing that's externally frustrating, but also internally, because you know we all fight. Yeah. Latinos hate on each other all the time, and then there's colorism, and then there's people that don't believe that colorism exists, and I'm like, okay, you're like living under a rock. Yeah. So there's so much work to be done, even within ourselves. Yeah, for sure. And I think even like, like with casting, so like I, when when Netflix did Siempre Bruja mm-hmm. um, and like, you know, it was Afro-Latino and it was really cool. But then I, I was like ready. I was like hype. I was like, finally a girl with yeah. her. Yes. <laughs> and then <laughs> she's like living to like reconnect with her slave master boyfriend. Do you know what I mean? Is like, that what that's about? Yes, <laughs> it, is. it was really bad. And I was like, I mean. <laughs> who's the creator? I can't remember the name yeah. off the top of my head. But Are like, they wait, I think the, the the biggest issue was how it was advertised versus what it actually because everyone was hyping it yes. and then it stopped being hyped and I think because it's because of, of what it actually was oh my god like you're talking about like they advertised it as like yeah you know she's an Afro Latina and she's a bruja and she's supposed to be like this 
badass witch that like time yes, travels. That's what I thought right? it was going to you be. Know? And it turns out that she's time traveling to, to be with her slave master. Who thought that was a good boyfriend. idea? Yeah. Like, and who like, thought that was a good and, idea? And there are moments, like there are like little moments where it's like, cool, like when you see her being a bruja and like mm. having her tricks in the same way that like watching Harry Potter can excite you when you're seeing like magic. Yeah. But just that underlying storyline and then there, that there's like one other Afro-Latino like kind of like secondary character there but they're in Colombia mm-hmm. is is where it takes place but even just the representation of Colombia itself I was just like but where is like the richness in their culture too like mm-hmm. let alone having an Afro-Latinx woman play this lead it was just I don't know and it was also I think aimed towards a younger audience and I didn't expect that I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be aimed a little bit more towards us so moments where they can get really real and, and raunchy not even just sexually raunchy but just like really getting into stuff they don't um and so i it took away it's like so she she's after the slave master boyfriend and she can't really like dig into her skills too hard (laughs) because it's past pg-13 okay so now i'm just bored oh Um, man yeah so it was i was looking forward to tuning into this yeah and i think i think in the same way, like, you know, that people have their mixed feelings about one day at a time. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know what I mean? I think that there is something to be said about having something on the map um, and nothing, not nothing at all, but then being conscious of, like, well, what are we going to put as acceptable as these first sort of, like, brick buildings? Because, like, not everything is perfect, right? Like, a comedy sitcoms from back in the day that were great are not necessarily better than some of the sitcoms now, but there's something that they started with. There was a style. There was something that they gave that helped build the foundation. And it really leads to our next topic which is like what kind of latinx are you right and the struggles of audience building for a market that doesn't necessarily highlight nuances so when we're looking at latinx content content i know growing up like everything that was going through televisa anything that i saw on univision telemundo you know mundo when when that came out like Mm. all of that stuff it was very Central America centric. I mm-hmm. never really mm-hmm. saw Caribbean representation no. of these things. Um, and then anytime I saw something that was slightly Afro, it was like these novelas that were super sexy, sex oriented that were coming from Brazil that they were like, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? And so like, mm-hmm. even then I was like, oh, okay, so I get that like Brazilians are black in that way, but like they never put black Dominicanos, Cubanos, Boricuas, like it was just sort of not reflective whatsoever of, of the people who, when I walked outside my Latinx ass neighborhood, like those were not the people I was seeing. No. Even yeah. down to like in the telenovelas, like Lo Mexicano that I grew up with did not look like these fucking mm. They were paler than me. Yeah, yeah. They, like, when we went to, remember when we went to the Telemundo Awards mm-hmm. for Shit Spanish Girls Say, mm-hmm. it was kind of weird. Do you want to talk a little bit about? Yeah, um, I think it was just, like, a matter of, like, really being surrounded by, like, Barbie dolls. Yeah. Like, oh, like, my gosh. You're talking about these soap opera actors, these novella actors were, like, tall, blonde, busty where they needed to be, like, (laughs) you know, and we're not trying to share a limo at all. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because at the end of the award show, they were sending all the limos back to to the hotel, and they put us in with this one lady, and this lady was sucking her teeth the entire time. She, she was, was tight that she had to share her limo back to the hotel with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? But yeah, it was really just on some, like, and, like, for us, we, we had, like, a crazy experience where, like, we didn't have our credentials, so then they, like, you know, 
you know. Yeah, they, they basically. Yeah, they, it was. It they, was crazy. They they had it. They didn't have. They had our name on stuff, but they had nobody who knew who we were or knew who we looked like. So when we got off the off of the limo on the red carpet, they were like, "You're not supposed to get off here." And we're like, "What do you mean? This car you guys sent for us yeah. said that we had to get off here." <laughs> and they were like, what? "Who are you with?" And we're like, "We're shit Spanish girls. Say we're nominated for such and such car- uh, category." And they were like, "No, no, no. This is not your entrance. This is not your entrance." And I'm like, yeah. "You sure? Like this is where they said we had to go off to go to the back?" And they're like, "No, no. Right, you but don't this sounds so typical here. of these events." And yeah. then they sent us. We had to walk like an avenue and a half all the way behind oh. the me- venue, uh-huh. and we were in general admission. The lady's like, "What are you guys doing here? You don't belong here. You're These tickets are the for red the red carpet." And I was like, "They just told they kicked us off the red carpet, like literally." But the cameras were ready because they were catching people as the yeah. door opened. So like, so literally, people, like whatever. we got out of the door people and like people some were taking pictures, pictures of us. and some dude was like, "Who are you? Get off!" Get yeah, off. no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Did they do that to the other? No. nominated no. influencers no. and then there it was, was even like a dude with a dog that, yeah. that got better treated than us yeah, yeah. Did, did you feel like you were the only people of color yes that ter- yeah shit switch then <laughs> and people say that colorism doesn't exist yes. within the community uh, Por favor. so interesting to see how that moment oh played itself God. out um, we didn't get to eat food like they were just Mm-mm. like we didn't get anything it was it was really really scrappy it was terrible but it really sort of struck the fear of God in us in a way where it was like, oh, God, like, these are our people that we want to create content for. Do they even want us? Like, will mm-hmm. we are we even welcome here? Like, it it's made- very different. It's night and day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's why our generation, like, the content creators that I, I don't even know how to how to categorize us. But it's like mm-hmm. when I was at Me Too, I think they like clarified it the best way is like we're making content for millennials who are Hispanic or Latino living in the U.S. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. it's a new genre. It's yeah. not the Univision and Telemundo genre of content. Yeah. It's a different audience. It's a younger audience. Yeah. It's just, it's just different. Yeah. yeah. It just is. And it's, this is, mind you, this is directly after Shit Spanish Girls went viral. So this was seven years ago. Yeah. Where, you know, YouTube, being a YouTube or content creator wasn't necessarily a thing. No, were, no, no. There were viral videos and there were people yeah. who were becoming famous on YouTube. But it wasn't like this thing where now you have like YouTube Next Up and you have like uh, all these programs of like of the course. ins and outs of how to be successful on YouTube or how to become a BuzzFeed personality or, mm-hmm. you know, like all this stuff where people are literally like training you to become this. Like, so we had no type of representation at that time. Right. Mm-hmm. And we had no kind of game at that time either. So, like, it was kind of like a giant wake-up call for us as creators to be like, okay, well, then next time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then the next time, that's not going to happen and how no. you kind of, like, just, like, carry yourself and have to kind of yeah. represent for yourself because yeah. we're not coming from having agents and managers and... Yeah, that um, was so new um, for you guys yeah. at the time. Yeah. Like, shit. We were you like chivitos. We were like, how old? 21? I remember. I remember yeah. seeing the video. Yeah. That was all of that. Was, I forgot <laughs> if it was still MySpace age or what. It was, what year was it? it? Facebook it was, age. It was Facebook, Facebook was like age. It was Facebook age. But everyone was sharing your video on my wall, the shit Miami girls say yeah. video, yeah. and then yeah. uh, shit abuelas say. Yes. yes. Those yes. are the three main ones that were going viral in Miami. And I was like, oh, man, that's so dope. So... Yeah. I'm really upset that this happened to you, yeah. but I'm also not surprised. Yeah. It's something mm-hmm. that I remember 
you know, I grew up watching Univision mostly, not so yeah. much Telemundo. Same. And for me, what stood out, aside from the novelas all being the same crap, like a bunch of white people, and then like the people of color were the maids. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so creative. Um, it was the sexism. Yes. That oh. really bugged me. It was like always creepy old men like the um playing the doctor and it was like then like the hypersexualized yep. women with their tetas hanging out mm. yeah being all helpless and it's it wasn't even <laughs> but it wasn't even funny yeah it like was it wasn't even funny like it was yeah it was cringeworthy yeah. mm. um so there was there's a lot of problems yeah yeah and it's really it, it derives from our culture and i do think that in the same way that our generation hopefully as a generation that's like okay fuck that stuff like we know it exists it's part of like what built a lot of the values and the way people have opinions nowadays but it doesn't mean that we need to keep it up we mm. can include it in ways that are honest you know and like in our culture without like celebrating it but saying like this is really what it is yeah you know what i mean yeah because there's a lot of that there's a lot of moments like i when i was writing uh for uh the cat call season three um you know and we i wrote the uh What's wrong with being a Golda episode, right? Oh, that and was such so, a good. I don't know. You wrote you. that. Yes, Girl. I did. I did. <laughs> that was dope. That, and, that was and, dope. And the ones that are not all Catholics are not all Latinos. Yes. Are Catholics. those were the ones mm. that I great, wrote. Great, great. Um, and it was so fun working on those, but it was so interesting, even in like trying to write the dialogue between the mother and the daughter with the eating and all that stuff because the things that I naturally wanted to say were so mean and toxic. That's what's tough. Mm. Like <laughs> I have, I experienced the same issues. Yeah. with content creation yeah um and I, I even lost a friend over this recently actually wow. where i was crowdsourcing with my personal friends on facebook where it was a video about abuela giving love advice and let's just be real they're my abuela had some sexist ideals um right. you know mm -hmm. they they even the simple comments like put on makeup or your husband's gonna leave you kind of thing I would be told that all the time. Like, why don't you put more makeup on? He's going to cheat on you if you don't look good. That right there is a sexist yes. comment, right? Yeah. And I was, I prefaced the, the crowdsourcing by saying, hey, I'm doing this video about Abuela giving love advice. It was for Valentine's Day. But I also want to make sure, because again, she can say some pretty mean and crazy things. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, and I put, I don't want my audience to get confused with me as a creator agreeing with these sexist ideals right. and then, yeah. and then yeah. my this guy went on a tan he just went off on me saying how about we stop being so freaking woke and stop making our, our our sweet dear loving abuelas look like like these sexist monsters like how dare you like and he went he, he even got poetic and i was just like wow. <laughs> he started sharing photos of him and his grandma he's like wow. my gra i i wow. i proudly stand on my grandmother's shoulders and really weird st i was like bless your heart that you love your grandma this much i'm like how but also how dare you my grandma character is based on my real grandma who passed away three years ago who I loved dearly, but I still called her out on her racist comments. Mm -hmm. I called her out on uh, her like sexist comments, and that's like we all have. Like, we nobody's perfect, yeah, you know. Nobody. Even I've learned a lot. Like I've said things in the past that I realized was offensive to like Native Americans, and right. I didn't like indigenous culture. We're learning all the time. Yeah. I think it's like good to be loving and empathetic, not snap and try to break someone's head off for because. Not every, we don't know everything, yeah. you know, I've learned a lot even in the four years of living out here, you yeah. know what I mean? We're constantly growing and learning and meeting new people and seeing what is wrong and what is right. And that's why 
with the because what happened with one of my abuela sketches once was that abuela kind of wasn't the person you're supposed to root for mm-hmm. and some audience members got confused and thought i as the creator was for this yeah yeah and i, I had to explain no i know you love the abuela character but she's not always right she's right. kind of very old school traditional and she has a lot of wrong ideas about yeah. things yeah so yeah and it's honestly like And there are ways in which I think the people from that generation who who want to be progressive instead of actually doing the work to change their patterns or like respect new ideas that are coming in, they just stay quiet. They just stay quiet and then they'll wait until the right people come around and then they'll say whatever they have to say about yeah. their opinions about the stuff. So mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting. And then creating content like that, too, is like as much as we are millennial focused, like we're out there so anyone can Anybody. really see mm-hmm. us, you know, yeah, yeah, and really sort of take on our ideas as their own with ours. And this is like a smaller example, but like with shit Spanish girls say, we chose to use the word Spanish because in the East Coast, there is like the using the word Latino was not as common because no. growing up in the hood, you know, it was it was the Latinos, it was the black people, and then, you know, we had our, like, Caribbean, like, Guyanese folk here and there, mm-hmm. and people from, like, Jamaica and all that, but... It was the Spanish and the black people. It was Spanish. It was, it was viewed yeah. as very much the Spanish and black and nothing else. Not like, oh, this is a Mexican, this is a Puerto Rican. This yeah. Is a, this, oh, your mother don't speak English, no habla inglés, you Spanish. That's mm-hmm. it. Like, that was, that yes. was it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know that what really I mean? Was. And this idea of Afro-Latino wasn't a thing. Is like, no, girl, like, your hair is not as hard as mine, so get over there with that, you black shit. You ain't black bitch. <laughs> <Go> over there. <laughs> no, <seriously. laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, and it was very uh, separatist in that way, mm. but um, we knew that. But I, like, because in college, I studied um, Latino studies and Afro-Latino mm. studies. So I learned I was, by the time we made Spanish girls say, I already knew I was a black woman, like mm. a black yeah. Latina woman. And I already understood that the word Spanish was not a race. It is the language mm. of like, you know, the, if you want to call it the oppressor or whatever mm-hmm. word you want to use that sort of colonized everybody. And that's why we speak Spanish, but we used it because it was true to the culture mm-hmm. um, of what Cesa is and where Cesa would have grown up. And it was a full conversation. It wasn't just like, we it wasn't anything that we didn't took it, lightly. Yeah. Took lightly. It was yeah. definitely like a full conversation. That like we, we had knew and, we discussed. and the comments immediately. That's that not how women in Spain behave. There's no. Women sh- I knew it. I knew you. To this day, to this day, I can Spanish open up, Spain. I can open up my YouTube account now, and I promise you, I probably have a comment. Yeah. Talking about how Spanish isn't like like. Yeah. But wouldn't whatever, it be whatever. shit Spaniard girls say? Right. Wouldn't that be more specific? Right. And also like just like <laughs> the, the, then it went into things like people. I remember someone called me a dirty black Dominican slave. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And I was like interesting. Uh, never heard that yeah. one before. And it was someone. It, the person who commented was also Latino. It wasn't from like I, a I, white dude. You know. <sighs> and it's just it's so interesting. But these are our audiences. And mm-hmm. so going back to the sort of like the struggle. Of building that market there's that struggle because we're trying to find the universality and on top of that move past the stereotypes or negative mm-hmm. sort of perspectives that oh, existed yeah. before us but then you know even more so than that is like as much as like how do i continue to big up the latinx community as a whole when my experience is so dominican yeah right? that's what I, that's what my fear is <laughs> with being a freaking cuban from miami and then what's added on me is that i'm light-skinned right yeah. so then it's mm-hmm. like shit um, I've had some people come after me in and in, um, in a not so nice way, and they're like, "You're taking up too much space as a white Latina," and I'm like, mm. "Shit, 
white. I never view myself as white. Right. It's weird because in Miami, everyone's just Latino or oh, Hispanic. Because we right. go use Hispanic, Hispanic more than we right. do Latino. It wasn't mm-hmm. until I moved out here and in media, Latino just is more all-encompassing. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to make everybody happy. It's right. complicated. So I'm like... I always said we're just a bunch of Hispanic people. That's mm-hmm. it. We're just a bunch of Hispanic people and Caribbean people because we got yeah. a lot of Haitians and right. Jamaicans, um, Bahamians. And so for me, it was just like one big melting pot of Caribbean. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. For the most part. And then a lot of también like South Americans. Yeah. Peruvians, Colombians. My, I, my, I have like a bunch of friends who are Nicaraguan, Honduran. Right. So whereas in L.A., you get mostly just Mexican and Salvadorian. Yeah. And then a little sprinkle here and there of all the different countries. But Miami was more like, mm-hmm. um, so I never viewed myself as white, even though genetically I am. Mm-hmm. I come from the freaking colonizer land. Right. So that's also awkward because I'm like, ooh, crap. My DNA is 45% Iberian. Wow. Yikes. Um, so then, but then it's like Miami's such a bubble and this is this big cultural like, you know, land coming out here and then putting myself out there on the internet, for the most part, people have been very accepting. They're like, yes, she's a white Cuban, but I relate to her. Right. You know, I relate to her experience. Um, It was very hurtful to deal with the very negative comments because I can't, at the end of the day, none of us can do anything about our skin color. Right. But with me, and again, there's other, there's Latinos that hate the word privilege and I don't know why. Hmm. It's a fact. Right. I have more privilege than a person of color. End of story. Maybe if I go to Alabama and I open my <coughs> mouth, whoops. Like, yeah. They're like, no longer, she's no longer. No longer right. uh, you know, but even still, I'll get away with a lot more yeah. or be treated better. And that's not, that, that's not necessarily, I don't know. I don't know why some Latinos get so upset right. when they're like, that's not, pri- stop talking about privilege. I'm like, well, I don't know why it makes you uncomfortable. It's just, it is what it is. And all you have to do is be aware of it. Right. And then help your brothers and sisters out that are not mm-hmm. like white passing or have that privilege. Um, so I don't know. I just, I, I don't think it's that hard of a concept. It's not. To and, grasp. And, but, um, and people make it that. And then they also, when, when there's one of, so it's like, okay, you want to, I'll use Afro Latino as an example. Like you mm-hmm. want an Afro Latino, fine. Here's your one Afro Latino girl and your one Afro Latino boy go on and be happy, like, right? And then it's like, those positions are filled, filled, and then it's like, okay, but there's like a slew of Afro-Latinx creators who are all, like, Yes, just let to, them like, do, like, let them I hate these little check, do. like, little boxes. Yeah, and it does feel that way, like, there, there's a lot of, like, whether it's, like, different media groups or, like, even on, like, television and, like, having TV shows, it's like, we had enough of these types of characters, we're good done like but they're not necessarily willing to put them on the forefront or if they're in the forefront like it's a really big deal and we need to draw a lot of attention to the fact that this story is being told from a black person's perspective because god forbid if we don't like i i keep saying i want to live in the day and age where i can write a regular ass movie what's a basic movie like the notebook right (laughs) and it doesn't have to be super spicy or extra sexy because it's latino love oh my gosh i know just a million other things i'd love to make a dominican juno right not because i'm like ooh, i wish dominicans had that experience but because dominicans do have that experience and we just don't have the chance to see it in action and Mm -hmm. so i in that same frame it's like i think the more that we allow the individualism of the voice to evolve the more that we create space for more creative ideas and then eventually there's this homogeny that'll exist of like this is yes the latino sector of the or the latinx sector of creative 
you know, endeavors, movies, online content, blah, blah, blah. But there's nuances in there. They exist. We accept them. And it's not a conversation. It doesn't need to be. A yeah, thing. it just is. I'm tired of that. I'm book. tired of it. I'm, I'm tired of talking about being Afro-Latina. Like, I don't want to talk about that shit anymore. Like, mm. I want to talk about the, other things. And in a place <laughs> of just like being women as well. Yes. That it's like, I, I personally hate the term like boss girl or girl oh, yeah, boss, boss or, bitch, and yeah. i'm like why can't it just be boss like right. i get where you're trying to go right. here, where you're trying to go here and it's coming from a good place right target t-shirts but um <laughs> i'm like yeah it i almost feel like it takes away from you yeah like what the heck does my gender have to do with right. being a boss with my power no one puts guy boss mm. right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and so there's just even within that there's a lot of problems still i i, I was who i mean obviously i'm not gonna throw spoilers out there but i just saw Endgame, oh, and yeah. there were oh, moments where powerful. i felt <laughs> i felt so empowered and emotional because there's so many female superheroes out there yeah. now Ooh. and uh, when i was growing up i had a tough time i mean in general as we talked earlier about my whole nerd <laughs> like, <laughs> time but little boys like, I wanted to play with the boys sometimes, and I wanted to be, like, a Power Ranger. And even though there were two female Power Rangers, that wasn't enough. There wasn't yeah. enough female superheroes. So I remember growing up in a world where boys in my, my classes viewed women as weaker than them. Mm. They're like, you're a sissy pants. You're, like, this little frail thing. Like, no way are you going to be playing superheroes with us or, like, right. mutants or ninjas or whatever it was that was too much for a girl to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not in an elementary school now, but what I'm hoping is that because of movies like Star, like the Star Wars franchises, um, franchise, um, Marvel, DC, um, all these shows that are also lifting up women, yeah, um, as well as women of color in yeah. these, you know, universes that young boys will maybe be more respectful towards women and not see yeah. us as these like weak little damsel in distresses. I'm, that's what I'm hoping yeah. is going down in the schools right now. Yeah, and I think so. I think that even Black Panther did a great job of like, yes, it's about the movie's about Black Panther, but yeah, we but the women, as women, the women did a lot of the. It was pull so there. obvious they ran the show that nobody could say otherwise. You exactly. know what I mean? And and I loved and appreciated that. And like in the same way that like, which is another great example of Marvel, you know, mm-hmm. Disney making another bold move and doing that. Mm-hmm. Even the success of like Get Out and Us too. Oh. Like, you know what I mean? Or Jordan Peele. Rich Asians even. You know, yeah, amazing, right? So, like, the idea, but what one thing that I think that we as, like, on our level can learn from them is that sometimes, um, and granted, some of them have more star power than we do at this moment. Yes, I know. But, like, we can actually go rogue and do it our way because our audience is there and nobody, we don't need to prove it to them that our audience is there. We know they're there because we we are our audience. We are our audience. Yes. We are still hungry and starving, which is why we're creating it, which is why we appreciate each other's art, right? Yes. Because in the ways where I don't have an abuela character, but like I want to see an abuela that is very similar to mine, you know, or just like mine Mm -hmm. so that that's what you're creating. People want to see that Bronx girl with whatever. And so that is what Skittles is creating. So it's all there and I think the most important piece that we cannot let go of is that we can do it without the major industries and it feels impossible and it's like a harder Mm. longer road but because we have whatever level of visibility we have we have to carry our audience they will go with us because they want this stuff created 
So we have to support each other because mm-hmm. if that means that we're going to go rogue and independent, then the extra hands or the ooh intro me to this person, like all of these connections that we make, it is that community. But it is going back to our roots of, you know, growing up, you know, our families growing up in the countries and like being in the neighborhood. If Fulanita could spank your kids if she wanted to. And this person mm-hmm. can like do that. And that woman was like my aunt, even though she's not really. But this idea that community, the way it exists in our culture actually can carry the industry the way we want it to be carried for ourselves so i'm interested to see the future of how we all continue to collaborate in this world and create the content because as we see the audiences are there yeah they're there and i think that's why what we're doing is so important because it took me a while to realize that i'm like oh what i'm doing is an important internet's not the same thing as tv and film yeah but i'm like nope i was wrong because i feel like a lot of networks are looking because I've I've been in meetings. I've been called in by Disney and True TV and other major networks to like pick my brain and like what do you have? What you yeah. know? And it's it's a process. It's kind of like a tease to go at to these major studios right. cuz like you're like, "Oh my gosh, please someone." And it's a it's a it's a process that can take years. But at the very least, I've had these networks reach out to me because they want what I'm doing for their platform for right. television because they they see what the audience how the audience is reacting right so and, and for anybody out there who's considering you know being a writer or doing youtube or starting a podcast or even their own like business i am just do it please because we need it's almost like we need to build our own army yeah against the thanos of right, this right. It's we all have to come bad. together yeah. with our individual superpowers and and again, the more diverse, the better as well. That's why I love that you guys are like también Caribbean, yeah, Latinos, yeah. and like because I'm also in a in a weird place where every time I go out for an audition and they want you to be Latino, they want you to be Mexican. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm like, first of all, I feel then they're telling you you have to start learning how to do a Mexican accent. Wow. And I'm just like, why don't you just give it to a Mexican? Right. First of all, second mm-hmm. of all, why does it have to just be Mexican? Right. And again, nothing against the Mexican people, right, right. but. And it's just like, again, there's so many of us. Yeah. Why can't, uh, like, for instance, like a good example that always baffled me was Oscar in The Office. He's Cuban. Yeah. They made him Mexican. Mm. I'm like, you couldn't come up with Cuban jokes? Right. Love that show. Yeah. But it's things like that. And I think that that has a lot to do with, especially when we're talking about shows and people and writers who are based in L.A., because L.A. has so much of that culture and a lot of times there are just white people on these writing teams, when they think of their frame of reference for anything like, yeah, you know, they Mexican go straight is it. to Mexican. Mexican mm-hmm. is it. They don't know what else so to hard. do. And if you don't live in the East Coast, it's even hard to say Boricua or Cubano sometimes. Or if, you, if you're not from Miami, it's hard to bring up. But they don't know anything. Well, have you seen Guava Island? I haven't. I haven't. So... I, um, I, it's been such a crazy month for me, but my friend, uh, showed me the video and it takes place in Cuba, hmm. but all the actors did not sound Cuban at all. And I'm like, you couldn't find black Cuban actors. There's mad in, mad and, in and Rihanna that. was, I, I think <laughs> I could so be many. wrong. Rihanna was playing a Guana and oh, while she's, that's the Donald Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino. Oh, I have. And yeah, I love okay, him. Okay, and okay. I was just like but you guys couldn't find Cuban yeah. people to yeah. do the Because you can tell in the accent. They not. sounded, um, I, I'm, I'm not sure, they sounded more like Bahamian, mm-hmm. Jamaican, right. and they're pa- trying to pass off. And it's these little details. I'm like, you guys could have had it 
almost there. Yeah. If you chose Cuban Right. If actors, you let people play themselves. Play themselves. And right. I mean, I, I know a woman who just shot a, a short film in Cuba and she used black Cuban actors. Mm-hmm. They're there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like why? Exist. And it's like, we can tell the difference. Yes. Yep. And there's a lot in New York because for a very long time, up until recently, when I do my playwriting, I always had either black Cubanos playing Dominicans or, you know, like African-Americans. And then I would compromise the Spanish so that I can have what would represent an Afro Latino Mm -hmm. on stage. Um, But they exist. And then finally, I'm finding all these Dominican actors and like we're in these random little pockets, separate Mm -hmm. communities trying to build something sustainable. But we don't find each other. But when we do find each other, the more that we conglomerate, like that's the level of power that I'm talking about. Where if somebody says to the right, just casting person, like we need black cubanos that the network is there it's like hell yeah call this person in new york exactly they got everybody you need from abuela down to the baby like (laughs) boom 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 boom. you know what i mean like and and it really is that way um but like i said yeah i think the work we are doing is very important i think what you said was right and i'm really excited to see what continues to come of the work that we're doing here yes yeah Mm -hmm. for sure likewise all right so we want to close it out with a little bit of loose from you for in our dame loose section i said it like a like a white person dame loose dame loose dame um so i want to know you know as a latina woman like the idea of womanhood is very tied to the idea of your relationships Mm. and who you're going to end up with (laughs) and the women in my family are very curious to see what kind of person i'm going to end up with Mm. um so i'm curious you know we all see know and love abuela and as we know abuela has given love advice before (laughs) um i'm very curious what are qualities that abuela expects in the partners for the people that she loves in her life but versus what Jenny lives and <laughs> believes and follows. Oh boy. Mm. <laughs> well, like, well, since my abuela character is based on my real abuela, um, she wanted me to, uh, she would want you to marry the same race. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and even if you can be Cuban and be, you know, like uh, they're, uh, yeah. So very just purist, Cuban with a Cuban, Dominican with a Dominican, very like that, mm. very Noah's Ark. Um, <laughs> very, like, see, like, and, but it's not all bad, you know, just uh, doesn't believe in divorce, so wants mm. you to make sure that the person you marry is a person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Yeah. That the, that the, your partner um, is good at handiwork. <laughs> and knows how to fix a toilet and uh, build things and um, is a good provider. Yeah. The yeah. whole being taken care of provider. And of course, this is very heteronormative. Nor- yeah. yeah. um, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't think Abuela's mind is there. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Nor does she know much about that world. She's the type of woman who had maybe that one friend that she wasn't sure about. and uh that never got married and you know she assumes i you know might have been a little yeah and uh that's it so they you know it's more very heteronormative very just lo blanquito with the blanquitos and Mm -hmm. you know i see like just very um and the person has lighter eyes the better because that way then your kid comes out with the blue eyes yeah yeah and i I feel so bad because i'm not trying to make my abuela character or my abuela may sure us in peace look bad, but when it came to love advice, it definitely was very antiquated. Yeah. And 
you know, of course, there's a lot of there's well-meaning in the in the sense of like the protector and the provider, but it's again, it's still rooted in these sexist like yep. the woman stays home and takes care. Now, I will say about my abuela though, she was very she was very um, okay with me wanting to be an artist and an actor. Mm, So, uh, you know, she was very open-minded when it came to those things. Um, Again, there were things that she was very stubborn and like old school about, but there were things that she was definitely a lot more open-minded to compared to other abuelas. Yeah. And ultimately my abuela character, even though she's mainly um, my abuela, but she's a combination of other people's abuelas and just older Latina women. Cause yeah. my abuela didn't throw shade like that right. or wasn't like a celosa like that. But I added that element for fun. Cause that is what other abuelitas are like. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. But when it came to love and stuff, I mean, my, my abuela personally, she only knew my abuelo. Like they, she got married. Well, she was 15 and he was 20 and they started dating. That was the only oh. man she's ever been with. And they died five days apart. Wow. After like 65 odd years. Wow. wow, So, you know, she doesn't know much. She didn't know much about the dating world. And, you know, that's all she knew in Cuba. And that's who she met. And thank God they had an amazing love. Wow. You know, but it's it's tough when you've only been with one person to give love advice. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. No, that's that's really true. But there is some sort of like weird nostalgic beauty I find with these like older relationships where it starts from young and they really grow and build with each other like in, in several cases like obviously it doesn't work out but in many cases like my parents for example my parents have been together for 39 years wow now so like that's really cool they met each other when they were like i think 16 years old oh, and wow so, like, so it's very like, similar yeah it's a very yeah. similar love story like sli- like slightly slightly more progressive in the sense yes. of like my my dad's not cooking dinner my mom is still cooking dinner but like on sundays my dad will make the mango because he likes making mm-hmm. it right but like yes. he's not afraid to be in the kitchen exactly like, exactly well she's in the kitchen because that's what she does and like my mother i mean like that's a whole other saga story <laughs> for uh-huh. time but like she grew up she was an orphan by the time she was 13 so a lot of what she had to do for herself was become that woman for her and her younger siblings that was my abuela it was like i don't know it was like a large number of siblings i don't even know my 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 abuela was one of like 10 girls wow he was the only boy and his father died when he was very young wow so he was almost like he had to be the man of the family so he knew Mm -hmm. how to like paint and build and do the 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 and my abuela was like the master chef and the yeah. one who cleaned. And I guess it's interesting. You bring up the sibling situation. You're basically raising your siblings. Yeah. And so I understand it was a different time. I, for one, do not like cooking. Yeah. So my fiance mm-hmm. does a lot more of the cooking. Yeah. Um, so I know you asked like what I believe. Yeah. I'm just very like, I'm very progressive when it comes to that. Love who you want to love. Yeah like seriously no judgments and i don't i just don't believe in these stupid like gender biased roles in the house like mm-hmm. i don't believe in there being ahead of the house some people are gonna fight me over this yeah because a lot of people go oh, but the bible says and i'm like okay oh. mm-hmm. i think it's a shared responsibility yeah. in the household and you know my dad's mom she was the handy woman she was always painting and building and she was all into that and i got a lot of that from her and my my dad's dad was a businessman, so he was like an accountant, and he just liked to work in his office. And I see he never dirtied himself once. Wow. He was always in a business suit. So 
I just, I believe in a world of gray area. And there's people that believe in very black and white. That's, this is how it is. Yeah. Right. I'm like, no, everybody's so different. Like, yeah. you can't judge. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you have to have lived that person's life to fully understand why they... And I'm, I'm just very open-minded about those things. Yeah. I'm very anti-little girls. And I, I was that little girl who just played with the kitchen stuff. And I'm like, why the heck are the boys not... Do boy are boys not are men not supposed to learn how to cook right. a damn meal? Right, right. So are men just right. sitting around picking their noses and with like a plunger in their hand, right. like I know how to fix a toilet, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know how to cook. It's a survival skill. Yeah. I just see it as just learn what you can. Yeah, learn how to fix a car, <laughs> learn how to paint, learn how to build IKEA furniture. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the hell is your your freaking gen. I think it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, no, I I I, I agree. I mean, you know. <laughs> that <laughs> like again the whole in, i hate the whole like even on tv like oh they're a mix i want to be at a point where i don't have to notice that disney's bringing in mixed race couples right or like i've, I've been noticing it now in commercials too i'm like oh, yeah it's a mm-hmm. mixed race couple mm-hmm. oh that's a gay couple yeah i want it to be like it's so normal that no one cares yeah mm-hmm. yeah because it, that's what life is you step outside you see a gay couple holding hands walking down the street you see an interracial couple Right. But why is it weird when we see it on TV? Yeah. Because we've been so used to the same mierda over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, like, from people, like, I know with me sometimes when I see it a lot, I'm like, y'all just doing this for show or y'all really ready to do this? Like, y'all <laughs> I know, I know. Sometimes, like, you don't know how sincere. I'm like, do you guys yeah. really care? But I believe so. I, I mean, do too. Yeah. When I've met with these networks, it usually is people of color and, like, Latinos yeah. and stuff that are at the ground floor trying to, like... Right pick the brains of people like us and being like, mm-hmm. look, we as a company are really trying to learn yeah. here. So I think it's it's happening. Yeah. It's happening, and I really hope that things start changing for the better with Latinos because we're still stuck in stereotype land and we're still stuck in this, like, we have a show and then it gets canceled right away. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. it's like, oh, shit, we gotta, yeah. we gotta do this. And I think we will. I really do feel optimistic about it. I think it's there's a different energy behind it. I think the climate, uh, even the political climate, lends itself to people being a little more like, where I might have been a bit lazier about engaging a thing or supporting a thing. Like, people are, like, saying about movies, like, oh, we need to see an opening weekend so it gets the buzz that it needs. Mm -hmm. And, like, really being more thoughtful about the way that they're engaging the content of the people who represent them because they want so badly for these things to stay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and be successful Mm -hmm. because um, now that there's more insight and the internet is wonderful in this way now audience members have an inside look on how things work in a way that they didn't used to yeah, yeah. so now they can participate in those ways and so if it means trending a hashtag to change some shit that a company mm-hmm. says or an announcement like you know they're willing to fight on the ground for mm-hmm. us and all those values and yeah it's yeah. really fun <laughs> well thank you so much for being on here with us today yeah. this thank you for so having me awesome. I love it to- I can go on and on yes. forever about these topics so any upcoming projects or people you want to shout out and where can we find you on social media so um i have a website jennylorenzo.com it's like a one-stop shop but i'm also on youtube instagram and facebook all my handles are all over the place (laughs) but if you just look up jenny lorenzo you'll find me on those platforms i release all my content on those platforms and i just want to like overall just give a shout out to like everybody that's busting their asses trying to make the content whether it's on their cell phone or like a little mic that they have or if they have a giant team behind them i 
I just want all of us to support each other more um, because if we come, if us digital creators come together more often, we can really change Hollywood. And that's not something I really thought about at first. I'm like, well, this is not Hollywood, but it kind of is. And more people are paying attention than you realize. Yep. So. 100%. Yeah. Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. And you can find us at Ladies Who Bronche on Instagram, Facebook, all the podcast stuffs. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, Bronche.